My father uh, served in the British Army in the Mandate, Palestine. My mother, I would say she was a Philo-Semite. For her, the Jewish people living in, in Israel were surrounded by hostilities. They were David fighting against Goliath. Jane Clements and I'm learning Hebrew because my work is involved with Israel and Palestine. ועכשיו בערבית? אה, לא. למה לא? למה לא? זה קשה. זה קשה. אוקיי, so I think it's interesting that people who are involved with the conflict, many of them learn a language. Sometimes they study both, but... It's so similar, Hebrew and Arabic. So if you have to choose one, mm. how do you make a decision which one to choose? It's like almost choosing a side, isn't it? Well, I think with language like the conflict itself, one automatically comes first to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And the experiences I had, first of all, were in Israel and with Israelis. Mm-hmm. So that was how I picked it up. I yeah. can say a few words in, in Arabic, uh, enough to get by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, essentially that's why uh, Hebrew was the automatic choice for me to, um, to work further in. Yeah. So how did it happen? What drew your attention? Was there any understanding of anti-Semitic things that you heard and realized were wrong? Was it related to... The British involvement during the mandate? Yes. <laughs> yes and well, yes? <laughs> yes and yes. Okay. Um, my father uh, served in the British Army in the mandate. Oh, wow. In Palestine, yeah. Um, and he was in um, Palestine in 1943 during oh the Second World War. Um, so he had, had photographs. Um, I've got a lot of those now. Taken at the time, he had maps. Mm-hmm. Um, he would uh, tell me um, a few stories, not many because share with us. Yeah, well, you know I never I never spoke I never asked my father about real details. you know we we should always ask ask people why we still have them for things we want to know later. Um, right. But um, he would talk to me, for example, that he would be outside a, a Palestinian village. And they would have the order to go in and look for weapons. He would tell me about uh, he was he was 
obsessed, of course, with the the terrorism, as he called it, that he took that took place. Um, from, did did uh, he refer to Palestinian terrorism or both no, Palestinian and Jewish? Jewish, 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 um, Jewish uh, activity. He was. Um, It was re- it's really interesting for me because he would talk a lot about people who became founding Israeli politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, he would talk about Menachem Begin uh, and so on. And um, when later, in much later years, I, I went to Israel and I visited places and I saw things and so forth and, and, and heard the other, the other side of the story, it was very difficult for me to reconcile the two. But mm-hmm. my mother... I would say she was a philosemite. I think that's the best way to, to describe it. Which means? Um, which means that um, for her, the Jewish people living in, in Israel were surrounded by hostilities. They were David fighting against Goliath. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were some very interesting conversations while I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Wow. What were the encounters or events that shaped you, that brought you to be so active and start FODIP? I'm, I'm really not sure, uh, except, except <laughs> that um, I detest injustice. I detest injustice against anyone. And I've seen um, through my time as a teacher the, the terrible things that Jews had suffered, particularly at the hands of Christians, And Jews in Europe, and um, the whole of the six the sixty seven war I was a teenager during the sixty seven war mm-hmm. so um, that has and what do you remember effect. oh tons and tons somebody who had a Jewish friend who went into a uh, a pub and they were they were told, "What are you doing here? Why aren't you in Israel defending your country? I mean those were the sorts of stories that you heard mm-hmm. um But uh, it, was, it was a major topic of conversation, and, and it was on all the, all the newsreels. Uh, but, so it was injustice to the Jews, it was injustice done by, by Christians, and, it was as a, and, and as a, a, a churchgoer as I became, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I heard things in, in churches, not intentionally anti-Semitic, but they were, they were certainly painting... Jews in a, an unple- unpleasant light due to mm-hmm. the liturgy, the way they were interpreting Christian texts um, and selecting Christian texts. And this struck me as an injustice. And then the more I got to know about the, the Palestinian situation, that also struck me as, as a, a, um, a sense of injustice, with a sense of injustice. And teaching, especially when I, uh, part of, the, of the, the papers that I had to teach the students were historical ones and, and um, also about the, about the state of Israel. And, and those also broadened my mind. So this is it, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's yeah. really a lot yeah. there. It's, uh, not, it's not at all out of the blue. No, well, I've lived a long time. <laughs> what are you like? What are you like 40 or something? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I asked you that in Hebrew and you didn't answer. But come <laughs> at, so I'm not going to ask you now. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you are British from a Christian background, I assume. Yes, correct. And uh, Catholic, Protestant, or doesn't really matter? Um... I should say Protestant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm an Anglican, so 
technically we cover both Catholic and Protestant, but I'm really Protestant. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, and you are the co-founder of a British NGO called FODIP, which stands for? It stands for Forum for Discussion of Israel and Palestine. That was a, a working title when we were looking for a useful title. Mm-hmm. And it rather stuck because um, find that having both Israel and Palestine in the title is really useful because many people who come to us find it difficult to accept that either there is an Israel or there is a Palestine. Mm. And so therefore, automatically, if people engage with us, sometimes they have to overcome uh, a first barrier. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, I, I, I hear it also a bit about the Balfour project. Like, why would you choose a name that's more controversial? So <laughs> yeah. there's such a denial from both sides. That's incredible. So I want to learn more about this type of work because I understand as an Israeli involved in the conflict, as an Israeli activist, that here in the UK, the conflict has a lot of effect on relations between interfaith communities. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, the, the way we look at it is, is that the conflict is imported. One of the, the catalysts in my setting up FODIP was I heard uh, a talk given by um, a Palestinian peace activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's involved in an organization which you may, may know, the Bereaved Families Forum. Mm-hmm. And, and who is he? he? Uh, his name was Ali Abu Awad. Mm-hmm. And he was speaking about a, a visit he'd made to London and he and an Israeli partner. This would be about 12, 13 years ago, a bit mm-hmm. more maybe. And he was invited to speak to the House, the house of Lords mm-hmm. and uh, with his Israeli partner. And as they went in, he was given uh, a sheet of paper And it had two lists on it. And he was told, on the left-hand side, these are the people you'll be speaking to who are pro-Palestinian. Mm-hmm. And on the right-hand side, these are the people who are pro-Israeli. Mm-hmm. And he was horrified. And he said, are, are you importing the conflict over here? Mm-hmm. And that's what we often find. Uh, yeah. People are very, could be very vocal uh, for one side or the other. Um, which and advocacy is fine, but um, if it uh, if it prevents you from understanding or beginning to understand the position of the other, then really mm-hmm. there isn't a, a way that one can make progress. What did you do then? Were you in what way were you involved in in interfaith work? Yes. And what well, and, and how was that conflict manifested in your work, if at all, and what did you know about it until then? Well, that's actually a very good question. Thank um, you. I'm trying. I, <laughs> uh, I, I started out life as a teacher, uh, mm-hmm. and then um, I found myself uh, going into um, professional interfaith work. Mm-hmm. So you were and a teacher before I that? I was a teacher, yes. Of yes. what? And well, you know, in Britain we have an academic school subject, which is religious studies. Mm-hmm. And my speciality was Islam. Um, oh. But, uh, and I used to teach uh, at A-level, uh, mm-hmm. 16 to 18-year-olds. So you taught and like 
theology or history of the Middle East? Um, the Middle East came into it a little, but it was mostly um, the, the Holy Quran, um, writings of Sufi writers and mm -hmm. uh, understanding how Muslim communities in this country um, uh, lived and what was important and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but I then actually had to found myself having to teach uh, a paper on Judaism. So I began meeting lots of people in the Jewish community, um, and that's how I went into interfaith work, uh, mm -hmm. because I had this dual interest. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I discovered was while there's a lot of good interfaith work in, in the UK, unfortunately the topic of Israel and Palestine is the one that threatens to derail it. Um, and it would, it would manifest in what itself way? in different ways. So first of all, uh, if I was um, at a, a group of very well-meaning people from different communities, um, lots of Muslims, Jews, Christians too, uh, sometimes other faiths as well, uh, and everything would be going fine, and everyone would be getting on very well, and then somebody would say something uh, just it would just flip into the conversation somehow something about Israel and Palestine immediately everybody stiffened up mm -hmm. and either there would be a comeback and then there would be a very difficult conversation and all the good relations would dissipate or mm -hmm. worse in a way uh, nobody would say anything and then over the coffee break, for example, people would be getting into little huddles, little groups, and they would be muttering to each other. Again, mm -hmm. it wasn't good for, for good relations. And yeah. when I um, set up FODIP, it was just um, at the time of Operation Cast Lead, uh, which you remember in, in Gaza, 2009-2010. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, they have a different English oh, name. Okay, different name. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so I decided that there has to be uh, an organization which uses principles of interfaith dialogue. And as I say, when operation, well, when, when there were things in the news such as the incursion in Gaza, into Gaza, the Manchester Muslim Jewish Forum, which had enjoyed wonderful good relations and still does, it's a great organization, it found that its members could not meet with each other. They couldn't talk with each other because there was this huge thing between them mm -hmm. as to what was going on in, in Gaza. And so they asked me to go along and, and help them to have a conversation um, about this. And that was the first real job that FODIP did, if you like. Mm -hmm. And how was it? How did you manage it? What was the outcome? How did um, you do it? Okay, well, it was essentially it was a listening exercise. So really, they just needed to hear how they were feeling. They needed, first of all, each person needed to express how anxious, upset, um, angry, frightened they were by what was going on. And uh, but also they needed to hear each other, the voices of people that they knew well, friends. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so that was what we did. People were allowed to come and stand in the middle of a circle. They had certain amount of time they couldn't read a prepared speech they just had to talk about themselves and it cleared the air effectively uh, at the end I think people were relieved even those who weren't sure they wanted to do this um, were yeah. quite relieved 
yeah it's like uh, it's like similar to some something the um, reform community did together with me in Cape Town with the progressive mosque ah. so a progressive mosque but um, you know on Israel the most of them mm. support BDS they are actually it was interesting because me and another Jewish organizer who helped me to organize it basically we we went to speak to their leadership to the imam to ask if they want to see the movie so we saw the movie before the dialogue uh, disturbing the peace which tells the story of how combatants for peace both from the Israeli and the Palestinian side came to well how those activists started that movement you know and they looked at us and they were like We don't need to see it before. We can watch it for the first time with you. We are not divided on this issue as you are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyways, but in the end, like I said, no one died. Nothing too tremendous happened even, you know, when we did this dialogue. And um, from what I see and understand, I guess there are two main approaches how to deal with conflicts generally or maybe the specific conflict with interfaith work either don't touch the elephant in the room mm. you know and yeah, then yeah. everyone will feel better and there would be better relations but does it mean there are really you know genuine relations of trust i'm not sure and the other is like you know i guess what you try to do but In the end, that's very dangerous because it is very explosive. Yes. So it's, I think if people don't want to engage in, in, in talking about that, that's absolutely fine. I'm not about forcing people to do course. anything. Um, but for example, with the, the time in Manchester, with the Muslim Jewish Forum at that time, they, they, needed, to, they needed to clear the air. It was something huge between them. And they mm -hmm. needed to find a way to talk about it. And, mm -hmm. and that does come up sometimes. And it's often better to have had the conversation before uh, it becomes a, a news event and they're bombarded with things and they have to try and make a decision. So what kind of things? How like why was the situation so bad? Well, it, first of all, it was on the news um, every evening. There were um, there were incidents in cities where Jews were attacked uh, mm -hmm. because they were seen as being, <coughs> excuse me, the um, instigators of, of um, something terrible, mm -hmm. uh, accused of all sorts of things. Um, there was uh, a, a international charity which wanted to advertise for donations to help Gazan children on the news and mm -hmm. the BBC refused to allow them to do that because they said it was political and this caused a lot of, of, of aggravation so of it was really something that was that was in the public the public eye mm -hmm. um, but also it can be quite low level uh, when for example national bodies are debating whether to adopt the um, IHRA definition of anti-semitism mm -hmm. uh, there can be discussions and and Uh, misapprehensions and all sorts of things about what that's saying and how um, how people should respond to that. Uh, mm -hmm. So, it, in, even in a low-level way, um, this this can this can cause problems between communities. Yeah, yeah. You know about what you said about uh, Jews 
being attacked during this time. Mm. Um, I remember hearing a talk in Limud, Scotland, actually, by a representative of um, the Jewish Leadership Council. So they also do a lot of work with, uh, you know, of advocacy on anti-Semitism yes. in the parliament, so the Scottish or the British parliament. And uh, I think basically they said holding uh, British Jews accountable to what Israel does is anti-Semitic in itself. And I'm very conflicted about this statement. What do you think about it? Well, I think one of the things we, we try and do, we have to do, is to explain to uh, non-Jews how, uh, how central Israel is to Jewish identity, uh, even in the well, especially in the diaspora, um, mm -hmm. and and how it and how it feels. Not that I can explain that myself, um, not not being from that community, but um, I understand how fragile and how important uh, Israel is to to Jews, particularly religious Jews, uh, mm -hmm. but not necessarily, um, and and how that relationship builds up. So it's not possible to divorce Jews in the diaspora, the majority, the vast majority of Jews in the diaspora, not everyone obviously, from from Israel and, and from experiencing and valuing Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to put that picture, uh, especially where people may have family that live in Israel, for example, and certainly visited and I've seen, you know, really good things happening in Israel. Yeah. To, to put that against the experience that people have that only know the Palestinian side. And, and I've been fortunate in being able to um, feel at home in both, in both communities, in both within the West Bank uh, and East Jerusalem and within Israel itself. Mm -hmm. um, but... but Uh, you ha one has to explain um, to people and, and help them to understand, usually by actually meeting people, going to the region and, and experiencing from that for themselves. Because, of course, you mm -hmm. can't tell people. People yeah. have to experience things. Yeah. You know, one of the campaigns of, uh, from my, my experience in South Africa, I remember one of the campaigns, the Zionist Federation or SOGES, which is like the... UJIA oh, yeah. was it students or yeah for students so so okay. the Zionist Federation has an organization that you know is like the Jewish societies in South Africa and one of their campaigns against BDS was come experience it for yourself so like Come to Israel and see the diversity and see the peace activists and it's also almost like Yeah, and that and that happened at the time where when Israel started to to question peace activists in the airport mm. and not allowing people who are might be too activist or too radical in their view uh, to enter. You know, I thought it's uh... well, <laughs> having taken uh, diverse groups to Israel many times. Um, I, I've had all sorts of experiences of, of, of people and how they're received at Ben Gurion Airport. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, n nobody I've ever taken has ever been turned back, but I do know a lot of people who have been. Mm -hmm. um, and just as it's important to explain to uh, non-Jews how important Israel is for Jews and, and what 
perception Jews will have of Israel. It's, it's also um, important to explain that not every person, particularly uh, within the Christian world, we have this problem a lot, but not only uh, that people who may support in their, in their minds the idea of, of boycotting or divestment or sanctions, not so much as part of the BDS movement, but just because that seems to them to be a peaceful way to promote Palestinian hopes and identities. They're not all anti-Semitic, um, yeah. but, but to explain and, and to help people to understand something of, of the complexity uh, of, of these positions. Because after all, you know, you can't put people in two separate homogenous camps People are individuals and they have all sorts of different um, perceptions, experiences, um, and so forth. Yeah. Where do you draw the line? Obviously, a lot has been said and done on anti-Semitism. When is it legitimate criticism? When it isn't? Has FODIP done any work on that? Because I think this is, I mean, this is so important because if you just... Follow yes. the IHRA. I'm not sure that's a non-biased view on anti-Semitism, to say the least. Well, it, it isn't, no. Um, mm-hmm. But there again, there are all sorts of issues about um, <laughs> adopting that uh, or not adopting it. But um, I, th- I think, first of all, to answer your question, has FODIP done work? We, we do actually have a, a document which um, suggests when criticism is... Uh, anti-Semitic and when it's genuine criticism of, of, of a government as you would have of any um, mm-hmm. any state um, and I think it's it's possible to find this it, it, the, you know the tropes the tropes are there uh, holding Israel to account um, in a way that one wouldn't hold any other country to account um, obviously speaks for itself Uh, and it's, it's quite easy to recognize when when something slips and also I think the the uh, I, I found quite often and this is really infuriating it mm-hmm. when people talk about anti-semitism by means of um, by means of emphasizing the difficulties and the um, appalling conditions for Palestinians as if the two are therefore related and actually anti-Semitism, as I know from my Christian background, and that's a whole other story, yeah. anti-Semitism is a huge, it's called the longest hatred, and it's, it's in, in many ways that's absolutely true, uh, and it manifests itself in many different ways. So it's, uh, it is something that one has to be on one guard, one's guard against. Uh, and, and there are tropes. We all know what they are. You know, the, the, the Jews controlling the world, uh, the Jews having some sort of international uh, secret uh, organization of money, all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, and people who, limp, who uh, lump Jews together as, 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 as one group, the Jews. Yeah, um, the know. Zionists, the Absolutely. Jews. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I find it, you know, for me, I feel like because I'm Israeli, I have like, A different credential to speak about the Jews but you know I think it's if you look at the influence the Jewish community had in Britain even even in history in the time of the mandate and and what efforts diplomatic efforts led to the release of the Balfour Declaration it didn't come out of nowhere and 
To say that there was no influence or to be afraid to speak about Jewish influence in the world today, even here in the UK, with what happens with the IHRA definition and with, you know, anyone who speaks about Israel. And I mean, there are so many things that happen that happen behind the scenes. And, and it seems to me that the Board of Deputies, they are on the line, they are guarding so much about who says what. Isn't that troubling? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, does, it, it really doesn't help the cause. Um, those of us who are trying to help people to understand the, sort of the humanity of the other and to, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and to get a better picture... Uh, and and I've, I've been on the receiving end of this myself on occasions. Um, like what? Tell me. Uh, yeah, we haven't spoken a lot about you. Tell me a little bit about I you. I think you've spoken tons about me. Um, <laughs> well, for example, if um, the Christian community is really, really divided over um, on the Israeli-Palestinian mm-hmm. question. So, for example, if I've been involved in a conference which is looking at Christian support for... Um, Palestinians, even if I've been there uh, to acknowledge that and to be part of all sorts of panels, but also to say, but hang on, folks, let's not demonize Israel and all Israelis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even when I've been there to do that, I've been roundly criticized by people who've been saying that I've been involved with anti-Semitic um, activities. So, um, oh, wow. it, um, when, okay, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and, and I can't really be specific, but it, that doesn't help. You know, that really doesn't. That really doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So that I think is sort of. I think and did it? Did question. Yeah. does that also manifest in the other side? Like, if you would go to some, I don't know, to speak on a panel organized by the board of deputies, will you have some Muslim leaders or I don't know which pro-Palestinian organization criticizing you for collaborating with the Zionists? Um, yeah, I've, I've been accused of both, um, on, especially on social media quite a lot. But um, I think that's great because I think if you're being criticized by both sides, uh, you know, you must be doing something right. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. That's what they say. In South Africa, the, the, some people from the, the, like the Zionist Federation, uh, they spread lies about me that I was an agent of the BDS. I mean, I didn't know the BDS has agents around the world. But uh, that's what maybe some of them, that's what I wonder, whether some of them actually thought that. Or, or whether it was all, you know, part of the propaganda to, sil- to silence what we see as like Zionist anti-occupation views. And on the other hand, activists, uh, even Jewish activists who are supportive of BDS, they thought I was a Mossad agent. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, so much distrust. Well, this is it. I mean, you, you can also, uh, you're, you're rooted in one side, but you can also understand um, people who are coming from a different perspective and, and, and the Palestinian perspective. I mean, that must have been difficult for you to, to discover too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it is difficult. And I think there are so many people, and, and I connect a lot with other British Jews who, who, like me, have gone through a very similar education system that praises Israel as talit shekulat chelet, like a... Mm. Like a holy, can do no harm, 
And and when we go out to the world and we realize, for me, going to the world was only outside of Israel to really understand things differently. And there's a lot of rage, anger on the lies that we've been told. But um, I wanted, I mean, speaking about anti-Semitism, I mean, we started speaking about it and I wanted to, to ask you, going back to that point about whether Jews are held accountable for what Israel does. So I participate in, uh, in an interfaith uh, dialogue on anti-Semitism between British Jews and British Christians organized by Interfaith Glasgow. Uh-huh. And uh, it's an interesting process. I learn a lot. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I, I thought last year, especially when anti-Semitism was more on the news, now it's not that much, is that I was wondering whether the role that the Jewish leadership is taking to defend Israel, really almost at any cause, like there can be so few cases where the Board of Deputies can say, uh, you know, the, the law of... Uh, the law of nation that discriminizes uh, uh, Arab, like so Palestinian citizens of Israel, they will criticize it. But, you know, nothing, nothing about the occupation, which is, I guess, more severe in a way. Uh, and I wonder if that, you know, that manifestation of support to Israel has to do with, 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 modern anti-Semitism? Um, yes. Uh, I, I've, wor- I've worked a lot with, with the Board of Deputies and, and um, I have a lot, of, uh, a lot of time for individual, uh, individuals involved in it. But um, I, and I can understand that what actually motivates a lot of people is, is fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear that if you know if we give if we give an inch, you know very soon they'll be telling us to leave as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I understand that fear. I I don't agree with the methods that uh, some in Jewish leadership um, use, and certainly um, I I seek to introduce a different perspective uh, mm-hmm. to some of the rhetoric. Um, when when I'm involved with conversations with uh, with people in the in the Jewish leadership, but mm-hmm. um, there's it it, it it is it is a, a a difficult and it's it's a I suppose it depends on the generation too. I think mm-hmm. um, in my experience, the younger generation is often more open to uh, looking at different ways uh, and different perspectives. Um, yeah. And a lot of the the, re, the older generation, and I would say even even older than me, um, would 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 more be concerned about um, about fear about. Uh, Do you see it also in the in the Christian community? Because what you're saying, I mean, we see it so strongly with you know these representative organization board of deputies. I mean, I just represented Merits uh, UK in the Zionist Congress a week ago. And you can definitely see this in those Zionist global organizations. Uh, is it also something that you see uh, in in Christian organizations? Um, 
in, in what way? You mean sort of wholeheartedly? In a way of like old style, not not um, not amending itself to the reality, keeping with the same stances, not involving younger people enough in leadership. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> yes, there's probably a lot of that. Um, but I think in, in terms of um, Christian views on Israel, uh, sadly, they... Uh, Sadly, they don't seem to have uh, a lot of a lot of uh, scope for, for for mellowing out a bit. You know, and you get the the really sort of right wing evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. um, and then you get the the um, uh, those who support Palestine but with a with a, a view that they would really like to see the state of Israel dismantled. Yeah, um, and and you have both both sides and 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 i don't that's not an age thing because yeah. that that comes from sort of theology ideology uh, mm. and it's not because youth are, are less less afraid than than the, than the elderly <laughs> i think that's the only way i can i can put it in terms of the jewish community but it, and, and generally but but in the christian world it's it's sadly it's it's a much different uh, much different situation Yeah. Who are these who are these evangelicals that came all of a sudden with Trump? It's like <laughs> I mean I guess they were always there but yeah. all of, all of a sudden their power you know Trump chose evangelical over Jewish support because most of the Jews are progressives, right? Well, and who are and who are the evangelicals here in the UK? What is their representation of the whole Christian community? evangelicals are ordinary are individual Christians but there are groups some there are some churches which are specifically evangelical uh, there are some denominations which are more evangelical than others mm-hmm. um, but not all of these have particular views about Israel it's it's a section of the Christian community who is I mean, we, we, we call them Christian Zionists um, yeah the Christian Zionists of and, course and they're and they're they're not Zionists in the in the Jewish accepted sense of what a Zionist is mm-hmm. it they they have a particular theology and their theology is based very much on eschatology on what is going to happen at the end of times on um, how um, The state of Israel is is a, a, a divine weapon to in, in the war of good and evil um, it what will happen in the end of time well um, according according to that view there's, there's a number of different scenarios but it, it's not going to be good news for the Jews because the most uh, pleasant view that that Christians have of what will happen to the Jews in the end these Christians is is that um, you will all convert to Christianity. Yeah. Are we, so these are the Christians that we collaborate in advocacy support for the Israeli government? Yes, there's less of it in Britain than there is in the States, active co- collaboration. Mm-hmm. But um, there are groups who, who regularly um, have, they, they will have weekly prayer meetings for, to pray for the, um, the strength of the state of Israel, mm-hmm. um, for example. And that, those are quite common. They will, have, um, they will have Israeli speakers. They will go when 
situation permits, they will go on specific tours to Israel, which uh, are focused purely on um, a, a right-wing uh, political agenda. Mm-hmm. So, um, and these are often very well-meaning um, people, but mm-hmm. th- they they do see uh, they do say Israel as being as being instrumental in a Christian a final Christian purpose. It's it's all very very complicated and confusing, and people have been writing about these for centuries. And in fact, you mentioned earlier about influence in the Balfour Declaration. And these views were prevalent at the time. It was one of the things that made that made the Brit- members of the British government so receptive to any suggestion that that there might be uh, a, an establishment of of the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. So they're not new views. Of course, Balfour himself was a Christian Zionist, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I'm really fascinated to think and to talk about is the difference between then and now. And I'll give you an example, because we Israelis, we tend to, to see anything that happened like in the 48, okay, there was an Akba, but there was war, we didn't decide it, you know, the Israeli narrative on the war, mm-hmm. but we tend to... You know, distinguish between, you know, Israel 48 legitimate and Israel 67, so the occupied territories, as illegitimate. Uh, and this division, uh, I'm interested also in this division uh, in terms of, you know, the history. So to what extent was it different when, when the JNF or, or other Jewish philanthropists uh, donated a lot of money to buy land for Jews from the Palestinians, for example. Another good example, now that we're talking about Mr. Balfour, is to what extent is the involvement or intervention of Balfour and Britain in 1917 was or is different than the intervention of the United States of Trump today. Um, well, to take that last point, there's a lot, obviously there's a lot more to this, but um, now we have information. There's no excuse for not knowing what the situation is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- and I think in, in, in Balfour's day, there was an understandable, with, with the whole rise of sort of nationalist ideas, there was an understandable feeling that Jews who were having... difficulties in, in terms of citizenship in, in other parts of the world really deserved their own homeland and there was little knowledge about what what was on the ground in Palestine mm-hmm. um, I mean not from everybody of course but mm-hmm. from a lot of those who were supporting it um, on the other hand today with with President Trump there's no excuse for for mm-hmm. not knowing what the situation is, on whose toes you're treading, um, who are going to be suffering. There isn't any uh, op- uh, argument of ignorance. So But I don't think you think there's, there's a big evangelical or Christian Zionist aspect which basically collaborates with Israel because maybe it would be better to have less British Jews in Britain or maybe less American Jews in the United States? Or am I going too far? That, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't say I've ever seen any evidence of that. 
except mm-hmm. um, that I have heard of Christians who have said to, to Jews in the diaspora, what are you doing living here? Why don't you go and support Israel? Mm-hmm. But that's not due to an anti-Semitic view. Yeah. Uh, so in, in years gone by, yes. And, and in fact, that was one of the reasons, thinking about the Balfour times, that was one of the reasons, of course, why um, some, a lot of people in the Jewish community were opposed to um, the Balfour Declaration mm-hmm. because they said it would be an excuse for um, European countries to say, okay, you can all leave now. Right. Right. But of course, the Zionist narrative uh, kind of won the majority and proved to be the solution for the Jews in the end. You know, one of the things is people used to talk about, oh, it's the Jewish lobby in in Washington that are are pushing the pro-Israel agenda in the States. But actually, it's always been the Christian right that have been foremost in, in pushing that agenda in the States. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it seems to me that you know the you said you you don't you you haven't seen much of the collaboration of the Jewish leadership and the Zionist Christians. Also in South Africa, by the way, there were many you know Zionist Christians collaborating with the ZF. So it is something that happens. I've seen it. It's happening, yes. and it's almost like an anti. I'm not sure that it's going in the favor of the Jews. It's going in favor of the current Israeli government. But this is another thing that I realized reading a little bit about the history of the mandate and thinking about the difference between then and today. One of the things that I realized is that anti-Semitism then as, as today plays in favor of the Israeli government. Because the more anti-Semitism there is, first of all, there are more Jews who can you know, get to the Zionist conclusion that Israel is our homeland and therefore the right thing to do is Aliyah and live there. Mm-hmm. And second, the more there is anti-Semitism, the easier it is to blur between criticism of Israel. And obviously this is something that happens a lot. Yes. Um, I, I guess my, my sense is that uh, politically the Christian pro-Israel groups don't have the, the clout that they have in the States. Over yeah. here. but but you're right that they do enjoy a lot of um, a lot of good links with Israeli organizations and speakers and and, and so on mm-hmm. um, but but they're they're really a bit of a minority I would say among among Christians in this country the mm-hmm. vast majority don't have an opinion one way or another they'll be swayed depending on who they hear or meet um, and, and there's a lot of, of very pro-palestinian sentiment um, even if it doesn't spill over into anything uh, more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um. Jane, so I heard, so a bird whispered to me that you recently have gained some uh, trophy from the Queen. Well, it's, it's um, twice a year mm-hmm. the Queen puts out um, an honours list. Mm-hmm. Are you a sir now? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, you're not, not a sir. You're a lady. Great. Not that great. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just me. But I'm allowed to have the the letters MBE after my name, which stands which, for. Well, which stands for member of the British Empire. 
And oh my it, god! Yeah, but it's it's a t- it's I, you know I had to think about whether I would accept it, and I know that some of my Muslim friends who've been given the same honor have also thought about that. Do we want to be labeled with something about the British Empire? How come they haven't changed it? That's so. Well, they will. They will change it. They so, are going to change it. Yeah. Um, Anachronisti. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's there's an OBE as well, which is an Order of the British Empire. There's CBE. Um, you get Command of the British Empire. There's Dame. Of the, all the honors systems talk mm-hmm. about the British Empire. Okay, um, so but you accepted it. it. I accepted it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Because it would have been. Uh, it's quite a process. People nominate you for it and things, and there's all sorts of testimonials that people have to write. I did it for somebody once. And, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, I didn't want to sort of let them down, really. Do you have anything you, you want to, I mean, I guess some Israelis would listen to, 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 you, to us speaking. Do you have any message that you want to, to share with Israelis? Um, well, I've, I've been privileged to know so many inspirational um, Israelis. Uh, And um, I think I would just encourage anybody who has the well-being um, of the heart and soul of, of Israel to um, uh, keep working and call a kavod. Okay, that's great. So Jane, toda raba, yeshar koach, chazak ve'ematz. Uh, and I'm very happy to you are the first my first student who actually works in the conflict like indirectly and directly and uh, it's an honor to teach you Hebrew will there be more people like you speak in Hebrew oh, well hopefully hopefully inshallah Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> That's how my dad used to say it. Okay, as Toda Rabba Jane. Very